You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. To, you know, Jesus is Lord, because Lord to us, Lord to us is just, you know, he's sovereign. He's above us. He's, he's, he's master of everything. You know what I mean? But when you get that Jesus came and he's actually saying, me and the Father are one. You know, math teaches us when there's an equal sign, when that word is is there, equal is equal. When, you, when we say Yeshua, Jesus, we say Yeshua equals Yahweh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's really important that you have a right inner image of the Trinity. Because Jesus is the three-in-one. Holy Spirit is the three-in-one. And the Father is the three-in-one. Now, that's hard for us to understand. But you have to understand they're always one. Even when he's here on earth. And this is where other religions, the Islamic religion and even the Jewish religion, they struggle because they want to separate it. They, they tell us that we want to separate it, but see, while Yeshua was here on earth, he was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at the same time he was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the invisible Yahweh was still the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way that I help people to understand this is that, that when we think of the Father, I want you to think of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit invisible. And when you think of the Son, I want you to think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, visible. And then I want to take you to the word when it says the Son in the, in the New Testament. There's two Greek words for the word Son, and one is technon, which means offspring, and then the other one is huios, which means reflection. So you think of the sun and the moon. The moon reflects the sun. That light that comes off the moon, the moon is not emanating any light from itself. It's actually the light that you see is from the sun. So you're, you're getting the concept of reflection. So all of this helps you to understand that all you want to do is you want to, ref, you, you want to be a son of God. You want to be a reflection. Right? How do you become a reflection? You, just, you have to look at the light. You have to face the light. You have to face the light. And when you're facing the light, which is the Word of God, okay, now we're over into Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right? And a light, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? And the concept of that is always seeing it more as I'm receiving it, and I'm receiving it, and then I want to reflect it. Because he's here. Do you know he's here? I think I was talking about it last night in a different way. He's in you, and you want him to wear you like a suit. Yeah, but people get nervous about this because they feel like they're, they're going to lose their identity in this. 
I like me. I want to be me. You know? I'm like, that's okay, because God wants you to be you too. He likes you more than he than you do. Right? I mean, when he made H, he said, H B. But he didn't just say that, he said H B, and it was good. No, really. You know, and when you have that understanding, it's not hard for you to love everyone that you meet. Because you know God made that person, and that person is good, and God did it on purpose. I mean, if you ever get to come to visit my church in New York City, you will see that I have the quirkiest church on the planet. I got the weirdest people in the world. No, I'm not kidding. I am kidding. Except I'm there, so I do qualify. There you go. So, so the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The next scripture I want to lay into this is, we all know that the scripture, Blessed is he, Psalm 118, not Psalm, yes, Psalm 118, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Translate and meditate. yud Hey vav Hey. Say yud Hey vav Hey. yud Hey, vav Hey. Here's the yud. I want you to look at it. Okay, think I'm making it up. It says yud right here in the back. Hey. That's what it looks like. Okay. We're going to go to vav. Vav. I'm going slow right now, but I'm going to tell you it's going to get real fast, real fast. Hey. So it's yud Hey vav Hey. This letter is in there twice. This is the letter that Yahweh put in Abram's name to make him Abraham. Now, I heard Kenneth Copeland teaching this the other night, and I got a little annoyed because he, he immediately referred to this as Hashem. But that's the Jewish way of concealing the name. This letter, and I'll come back to this when I teach it all in in order. Point of creation. Point of creation. The creator. Yeah. That sound. The hey is the Holy Ghost. It's the breath, but it's also specific. It's the word in Hebrew for the. So you know it's like this specific article, the definite article in English. Hey, so the name. So you'd hey, but it's the breath. Say, breath, right? See, you're going to get this. So the concept of this is the creator breathes. This is his name. And he puts this breath, just like he put breath in Adam, he puts this breath in Abraham's name. So you can't just say the name. That doesn't get the full revelation of it. You know what I mean? I'm like, Kenneth, don't make me strangle you. You know this stuff. Take time with us. Teach us this. Because this, when you change somebody's name, you're changing their nature. You're Like last night, I was imparting to you strength. I was imparting to you creativity. I was imparting to you 
courage. And all you got to do is receive it. Because my words have power. You don't have to do anything but say yes, yes, and yes. Right? Amen? Yud, heg. So now what I want you to think is the creator, or Yahweh, breathes. Now the next letter is the, num- is the letter Vav. This is the number of man. This is the number six in Hebrew. This is going to be important because the number six, or the Vav, you're going to catch this now. It's the number of men. You ever heard 666? You ever see the movie The Omen? All these different things where they're talking about the Antichrist and all this, the number of man, the number of men, all this. But it's in his name, man. The number of man is in God's name. So you have to understand that all of man was always in his heart. All of creation was made for man. But I want you, when you say the name from now on, you're going to say, I am, that I am, right? Because that's how it's translated into English, because it's a form of be, haya. He creates the world, world with his name, the name, haya. That's the word for be. You know, like the form of be, like light be. Haya, right? Ur, haya. He speaks it out, and it is, right? So when you want something to happen, now that you have this revelation, you say, haya. You're invoking the name. But the real name, the real name, Yah, Yahweh. So now get this now, because this Vav, the number six, so it goes, yud Hey Vav. Hey, it's a four-letter word. The four-letter word. Praise Yahweh. But the first letter, Yud, second letter, Hey, then Vav, then Hey. Now, why is this important? It's important because really when you think of the name, I want you to think of Yahweh breathes, I, man breathes. But I want you to put your name, yourself in there. He breathes, I breathe. We're all connected in this room by the air that we breathe. How do you know he's here? Because he is breath. The word for breath in Hebrew is a word called ruach. It's also the word for spirit. And it's also the word for courage. You know, you took my breath away. You took my courage away. You know what I mean? You wrinkled my spirit. You wrinkled my courage. I couldn't get my breath. I couldn't get my courage. You know how we use it in our language. But it's deeper and it's more connected. So he breathes, I breathe. I am that I am. He breathes, I breathe. This is his name. See, people say God has a lot of names. He only has one name that he's in Exodus, he's having a conversation with Moses. He's in the burning bush. You can go read this, chapter 23. He says this to, to uh, Moses. He says, This is my name forever. Because he's introducing him. Self to Moses. Moses has to go and stand in front of the Pharaoh. Moses doesn't know exactly how he's going to do that because Moses, of all people, knows what the Pharaoh's like. He was raised in that house. He, and he also knows that he's murdered somebody. He doesn't want to go there. So he's afraid to go there, you know. And God says, no, go. And here, this is, I want you to know me now as Yahweh. I am that I am. And he's saying to you, I breathe, you breathe. Don't worry. I breathe, and you'll breathe. I'll be with you on every breath. 
And see, this is the immediacy. This is the now that you're going to start to understand. Because every sound you make, you get to decide whether it's full of God or it's full of nonsense. Because you're going to understand that he's all about his breath. He's all about his spirit. He's all about his courage. Now, when you're studying this as we go forward, and as you get to know this and as you get to fall in love with this more and more, you're going to uh, see some tricks in the Bible. Not tricks, but there's some tools. Tools. So let's go to Psalm 119. And in Psalms, in Psalm 119, you'll see all the letters played out. Verse 1 starts with the Aleph. Okay? Having fun yet? Feel like you're learning anything? Does it feel good? Okay. Again, I release capacity to understand this. I release capacity to enjoy this. And I release capacity to teach this. Because you're going to get it. Okay? So you'll notice Psalm 119 is David. He is riffing on these letters. He is praising Yahweh for his word. Let's go one place before I start this riff. Okay? Let's go to John chapter 1. You know this verse, but I want to read it to you again. I could almost quote it, but I'll read it. In the beginning was the Word. You ever heard this one before? And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And then read down to verse 12, and it says the word became flesh. It says that, but as, actually it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, you've already heard me reference this, even to them that believe on his name, and verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now this is important. Now go to John 17. I'm going to come back to uh, Psalm 119 in a minute. You can't disconnect God and his word any more than you can, can disconnect the Son from the Father or the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Father from the Son, etc. So when you're thinking of this, it's real easy, and this is where our English gets in the way, you know. In the beginning was the word. You see word is capitalized. And then, but what, it's not, it doesn't, Take long before your focus goes from the Word to God. The difference is, is you have the Word. You can handle the Word. 
You can handle the scripture. You can learn the scripture. When I say God, it becomes kind of smoky and nebulous. And God itself comes from a Greek word, which means got. And that is God, but it also could mean tree God or animal God, or it could mean, you know, it's, it's generic. It's not his name. And it's actually a placeholder for his name. So when you go through the book, cross that word out, put Yah, put Yudhe. And then what that means, it's the Trinity. Because I want you to have revelation, I want, but not just revelation, I want you to have intimacy. God is like a nickname. It's a placeholder. You know, it's like boss. Right? You know what I'm saying? And it gets part of the meaning, but it doesn't get all the meaning. And it certainly doesn't get, you know, like I had lunch with a young girl who was up at Yale, and she's, she's Muslim, and her question to me is, is Allah and, and your God the same? And I said, I don't know. You tell me. She goes, yes, it is. I said, I don't think it is. She goes, well, then we're going to have problems. Now, I wanted to be nice to her because I head up the mentoring program up there. I didn't want to, like, ostracize her in the first conversation. I want to believe it's the same God. But you read these scriptures, and you'll see in, in Proverbs chapter 30, it says, do you know my name, and do you know my son's name? Well, a lot of the church doesn't even know his name. They call him God. It's not his name. Even El Shaddai, you know, he's got a million names. No, he doesn't. He has attributes. El Shaddai is the breasty one. El Elyon, the most high God. Right? El Sidkenu, the righteous God. El Rophi, the healer. Right? Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of the, of the host. All those, I mean, you got to translate. These aren't, he, he, his name is Sabaoth. What, the hosts? That's not his name. Rophi, healer. That's not his name. You know, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees. Yahweh Yaira. He's not Yaira. He sees. He's the provider. He sees. Right? All this stuff. And you have to understand, and people argue with me, and they'll say, he's got a lot of, I said, yeah, he's, We've got a lot of titles that we've given him. But he himself said, this is my name forever. And watch what Jesus says in John 17. I want you to keep in mind, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. And then I want you to keep in mind that when Jesus came riding in on the horse, when Yeshua came riding in on the horse, or the donkey, on what we call Palm Sunday, the whole crowd was screaming, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, the Pharisees and all the Jewish people were like, Jesus, tell them to shut up. They are screaming the name. They're supposed to say Hashem. They're supposed to say God. They're not supposed to be saying You know this. You're a, he's like, man, if they don't say it, the rocks are going to cry out because it must be said. 
And it's straight out of Psalm 118, verse 26, blessed is he, right? And so you get the understanding of that, and these are the things that you're going to, you, you have to know that there's power in the name, but there's not power in the title. It's like saying, there's power in the word of God, John 3.16. There's no anointing on the numbers. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Right? That's where the power is. And it's not even God. For See how we get it watered down? Because our images, because if, if I say God, you kind of see this old man sitting on a, he's the, old, he's the Father, God, right? The Son, oh, it's Jesus. You might see him in a manger. You might see him, you know, running away from his parents at 12 years old. You might see him pulling Lazarus out of the tomb. You might see him on the cross. But he's so much more than that. See the Holy Spirit, you don't know what that looks like. You don't really see it. Like, like somehow he's the third part of the Godhead that's, that's not as important. But Scripture says, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it's the only unpardonable sin. And all it is is, is you, having, you have to be able to put this together. So I'm trying to help you with, think Yahweh visible, Yahweh invisible, Yahweh the active agent in our, in our, but it's all Yahweh. It's all one. If the Holy Spirit's there, the Father and the Son are there. The Son's there, the Father and the Son, the Father and the Spirit are there. And it's important that you have that. So Jesus in, in chapter John 17, this is such a powerful chapter. He's having a very intimate conversation with the Father, the Son is. He's saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son. That the Son also may glorify thee. Glorify, magnify, reveal. To glorify is, is to, to bring the manifest presence, right? So that I can manifest. See, the sun is basically, on, he's operating as the sun. So he's saying, let me reflect you. Shine on me. Let me hear you say, shine on me. Remember last night I was talking about it. I said, this, you got to stop reading the scriptures as if you're w- watching a movie. Or reading Jane Eyre, a book or something. you you gotta, you got to be... These words are to you. Father, the hour has come. Shine on me so that I may shine you. What does that mean? What are you looking at? You're not looking at words on a page. You're looking at God himself. You know, you got to understand, professors and scholars will argue with you over this, but the word is alive. You know, they've spent their whole life, you know, banging through the, and, and, and making the word just what it is in their minds. They're, 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 they're trying to harness it. This word can't be harnessed. It's God. And it's always more than what you know right now. It'll always be more. It'll always be bigger, better, brighter. Always. The more, you, more capacity you develop, the more he is to you. I mean, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he's new every morning. 
you know. The angels of the Lord are going around his throne going, holy, holy, holy. But they're not just, you know, can you imagine going around for eternity? Holy, holy. I mean, it's got to be a little bit tedious, you know what I mean, saying the same thing. But that's not what's happening. Because they're going around the throne room, and they're going, holy, and everything, holy, everything's a new revelation. Whoa, and that's you too? And I, oh my God, I never saw that before. I mean, can you imagine being in a constant state of, you know what I mean? Amazing. But that's what it is. You know, it's like, my goodness. Because he's, he's, he's infinite. He's, he's beyond. He's beyond limits. And words, in fact, if we don't understand that words are creative, that words create or that words are in the process of creating, right? That they're on, that they're gonna, they're gonna produce something, then we use words to confine and define. You know, we'll meet somebody and we'll go, you know, slow, not very funny. We'll start limiting them. And worse, thief, right? And, and, and we do this all the time. And we name, we use words to confine. But words are not designed to confine. Words were designed to give life, to create. So, when you read John 17, you, you will say, historically, this is a conversation between Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father, but you've got to get yourself in there because he breathes and you breathe. I'm breathing, you're breathing, we're breathing the same air. This is God's, we're breathing the same God. We're breathing Yah. And you're, you're coming to this place where you're understanding him now. Just so you know, this isn't the good part yet. The good part's going to really get good. Okay, watch him now. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Say Yahshua, Moshiach. That's the Hebrew for Jesus Christ. Christ is a Greek word. Jesus is a Greek word. Whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have given you place. I have manifested you. I have made you visible. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And you, O Father, now glorify me with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. Yeshua longs to be back where he was before he was in this flesh doing this job for this time. Now here's where it gets good. Verse 6. I have manifested your name. He doesn't say I have manifested your names. He doesn't say I have manifested your many attributes. I've taught lessons for years and years. No, he's, I have manifested your name. See, this is where I can go into a prison with people that weren't even good in fourth grade, but that's all the education they got. And I can teach this because this stuff's written on your heart. 
You don't have to you don't have to learn all the Hebrew. You don't have to become Jewish. You don't have to know where Tel Aviv is and Jerusalem is. You don't have to know where the Golan Heights are. You don't have to know where Nebo is, where Moses was. You don't have to know where Seir is. You don't even have you, you don't have, you don't have to know that stuff. You don't have to know a lot of things. You have to know his name. Because you're his child. You're made in his image. And you have right to his name. He gave it to you. Yeshua is saying, I have manifested thy name. You know, can you hear Jesus now? Father, I'm so, I'm here, Lord. I, I, you know, glorify me now because I have taught the parables. You know, I taught prodigal son. And, you know, and I taught, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock in the morning. I taught, you know, all these different things. I did the miracles you told me to do. No, he says, I've manifested your name. Last night I said, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is his name, the connection you have. He breathes, you breathe. That's how immediate you want to get it. Okay, so let's listen to what he says. Which I manifested your name unto the men which you gave me out of the world. Now this is where you got to feel really special. Because you know... There's not a lot of people in this room, yet he's revealing himself to you in a very intimate way. You're in a club now. He's bringing you into this. You know where I learned all this stuff? One of my friends who was a good supporter of, our, of, a, of us, my wife and I, before we were ordained, he lived in Fargo, North Dakota. And he invited us out there. We had huge meetings out there before we were pastors. But we would minister. And then he went to jail. And he started questioning the Bible. He says, what am, what am I doing in jail? And the reason he went to jail was because he was a real estate person in Florida, and he was Italian. And what happened was he was doing all these deals with all these different people, but one of his clients turned out to be mafia. And so he had four little kids and a, and a wife. And the, and the FBI came to him and said to him, you gotta, you gotta go states up. You gotta, you gotta wrap these people up. And he said, "Go to jail, die." Because the mafia would kill him. He didn't even know they were mafia. So he made the choice. I don't want them killing one of my kids or all of them. I'm not doing that. So he ends up going to jail. But it caused his faith to crack. So he started studying, going to the deep roots. Today he's Jewish. I know he's still saved. But he started going into the Jewish roots. So when I went and visited him in prison up in Duluth, Minnesota, he's living in Fargo, and then he went to Duluth from Florida. He started showing me these books. He says, the Jesus you know is not who he is. I said, well, you know, he's hurting. His, you know, I'm trying to save his faith. And I don't want him to go to hell. He's my friend. And he's questioning everything. But I had, he was in a minimum security. I mean, it's, you know, FBI knows that they're just trying to get him to talk. But he's sitting in there. So we got these books open. I'm, I'm spending four or five hours a day with him for a couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm not being converted that Jesus isn't Lord. I'm not becoming Jesus, Jewish, but I am getting to know Jesus the Jew. And I'll be forever thankful to Brett for this. 
It's changed my whole life. Not only that, when 9-11 hit and my church, the building my church was in, we were on the 18th floor, burned for five days. I didn't even care. All my people were safe because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. What does it mean? It means when you understand he breathes, you breathe, he will speak to you. And it's my feeling that he speaks to everybody, but if you don't know he speaks, you're like, what was that? But when you know he speaks, you obey. So all my people were protected on 9-11. They they were there on that morning. They were in that building that day. I wasn't there to say, oh, I'm the pastor, do this, do that. No, I had taught them to hear the name. I started teaching it in 99. I taught it every day. I taught... You know, you'll be safe. Make sure you're hearing. Make sure he speaks to you. He breathes. You breathe. He speaks. You you speak. So they're all safe. Some of them heard a couple weeks before. And a boss would told my, my friend Kim, who's our administrator, administrator to this day, you know, go take this assignment in D.C. Didn't say there was going to be a, a terrorist attack. She didn't want to go to D.C. But she'd heard from me and my teaching, be obedient, that's where your safety is. You move, you be his reflection. That's where your calling is. That's where your impact will be. So she went. She had been arguing with her bosses for years that she wasn't going to D.C. But she went and God protected her. Other people, same exact thing. One, One person... My main guy, my ministry helps, my number two guy in the ministry, Steve, he shows up, he gets out of the subway, and he looks up, and the first plane had already hit. And he's like a real, he's, he's, a, he's just a tough, you know, kind of New Yorker. You think of a policeman when you think of Steve. Just like really, you know, like no nonsense, license and registration, that kind of guy, you know what I mean? He gets up, and he's looking at the towers, and the Lord says, I need, you to, I need you to run and get back in that subway right this second. Now, he's like, no, i got to get to work. You know, that's that kind of guy he is. You know, I gotta, came to work, I'm going to work. That kind of guy, you know. But he's been taught this, so he runs down the subway. The second plane hits, and the heat, when the heat from the explosion of that was lighting people's hair on fire on a street, he would have been dead. That's how close he was. But he, his life was spared. Now, I know that, he, that God is no respecter of persons. I know he's speaking to everybody. But you've got to understand, he speaks to everybody. He loves everybody. But, but like Steve, Steve's like, I'm going to work. I was, you know, you could, all, even as Christians, we argue with that voice. We have to learn to be obedient, immediate. Immediate, obedient. That's what it means to be a reflection. A lot of our blessings are delayed because Christians are, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience. You, you have to understand that if, you know, when I was a kid, if my dad said mow the grass, he didn't mean next month. So there was going to be a punishment for not mowing the grass. That's just a little example of it. So back here in, in, in John, verse 17, chapter 17, he continues and he said, Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you, are from you. See, what's, what's he doing? 
What's Jesus doing? He's putting himself and the Father back together. Because the Jewish people, everybody else has separated the Father from the Son. They have this concept of Messiah. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. They don't understand that that's God. Christ is God. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. Messiah is actually an English word for Moshiach. Uh, As you get to know these letters, you're going to understand them better. Okay, so let's continue in, in this. He goes, For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I pray not for everybody. Isn't that crazy? I don't pray for the world, but for them which you have given me. Now, I just want you to feel this because you've been given to God. A long time ago, you've been given to God. And you have to understand, that's a very special thing. Like sometimes you'll get annoyed at the unsaved. You know, you're, you're like, you're like, why don't they accept Jesus? Or why are they so mean? Or whatever it is you say. But when, when somebody's unsaved, here's how you should feel. I'm so glad that he picked me, that he sent Jesus to me, that, he, that I have a desire in my heart to go to church, that I love God, that I love to praise, that I love to pray. That's a gift. You know, no offense, but you didn't earn it. You know, some of us like raspberries, some of us like strawberries, some of us like blueberries, you know, and we hate honeydew. You know, whatever it is, you know, we just, we like certain, we like the berries and we don't really like the, the, the melons type stuff. I know, that's me anyway. It's bland. It's nothing to it. You know, I like a good blueberry, a good blackberry, right? But the idea is we have preferences and he put those in us. You know, now I believe that sparks in every man. But for some reason they don't, they don't have this. They don't have the desire that you have to get to church. And so you need to understand that's a gift from God. But don't take it lightly. If you're going to go, get it all. Get everything. If you've been given a gift, take it all. Take it all. And go deeper and stronger and and volunteer more and give more. Trade everything you've got for the wisdom and and the knowledge that's there. I was shocked. When Pastor Kelvin said to me, you know, I said, what do you want me to teach when I come? And he says, you know that message you did on that one morning for your congregation on the name and on the word, on the letters? That's the one I want. And I said, really? That's the one you want? He said, I've never seen that before in my life. At least not that way. I said, okay. Your congregation's ready for this? He said, yeah. I said, I believe you. Okay. I'll do it. I like doing it anyway. It's fun. I I pray not for the world. And all mine are yours. And mine and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. See? He wants you to get this. He breathes, you breathe. Jesus is praying this, right? He's saying, he's telling us in this prayer, and we have it for us, don't separate me and the Father. Don't separate me and the Father. And I'm trying to say to you, don't separate yourself from the, from the Son and the Father. 
Don't separate yourself. That's what I was explaining last night when I was saying, you got to learn to use his words, but they're your words. You know? Let not your heart be troubled. You know what I mean? Stretch forth thine hand. Rise up and walk. Be of good cheer. Come on and walk on the water with me. Let's go to the other side. You know what I'm saying? You must be born again. You know, you know, all the word is, is if it's in the Bible only and it's not in your heart, if it's over here and they're Jesus' words or Paul's words or Moses' words or David's words, then they're not yours. And they need to become yours. Same thing with the name. The name, all through the book of Revelation, it talks about the fact that it's going to be written on your head. It's already yours. It's already written in your heart. But the concept of written on your head, I mean, I, I get this picture of some kind of tattoo, right? But it's not really written on your head. It's actually what it means is you'll be conscious of it. You'll never be separated from it. It'll be your first choice. You'll, it'll be, I am of this family. I am of the family of Yah. I'm of the family of God. See? See, we're used to family of God, right? We like that. Body of Christ. But there's no revelation in that. Family of Yah. Body of Moshiach. So all through here, Jesus is trying to put his father and him in the same basket. When when Yeshua was crucified, we see the Greek, we see the I-N-R-I, or not the Greek, but the Latin almost, the I-N-R-I on the cross all the time. You know what, the, you know what they put up there? yud heh vav hey. You know how annoyed? You know how annoyed? You know how annoyed the Jews were with that? You can't put that on there. You can't, you can't raise Jesus up on a cross with the sacred name on the cross as if he is the king. As if he is the one sent by Yahweh. You wonder why they were panicking. And you think they're panicking because, you know, the, the, the veil was split from the top to the bottom. The fact, the fact that there were earthquakes and the sky was dark. They weren't, they knew why. The name had been lifted up. And the name came because it, it was clear that Yeshua was Yahweh. Jesus is Lord. Does Jesus is Lord get Yeshua is Yahweh? Is there the same kind of revelation in Jesus is Lord as Yeshua is Yahweh? They say, no. And I'm just getting warmed up. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light, light be. See, in the book of Genesis, the sun and the moon are created on the third day. So when Yahweh is referring to light, he's not referring to the sun and the moon. He's certainly not referring to incandescent or fluorescent. He's referring to true light. True light is the spoken word. So he speaks light. He speaks this. The creative ability. Light is that which creates. And so right from the beginning... All of these symbols, all of his DNA of the universe was created first. It wasn't like, 
light be and there was the sun because that didn't come till the third day. Light be was like, creation. The creative creation of all visible things was created first and out of him comes that. And what is it? He is manifesting the word. He's manifesting the word. He's manifesting himself as the word. He's basically saying, I am the word. Light, be visible. The reflection of what's already in him becomes visible. Okay, so now we go to Psalm 119 and we see David start to riff. So the first verse in Psalm 119, you guys doing good? Starts with the Aleph. And every eight verses, you get another letter. And when you meditate the Aleph, you can go and you can read, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the instruction or the law of the Lord, it says, right? So you've got to put the Yud, cross that out and put yud heh vav heh in there. Everywhere you see the Lord, put yud heh vav heh. And you'll be able to write these letters because you can actually see the letters. In my Bible, the letters are depicted there. All right, I'm going to walk through this. I want you to stay with me. We're going to start over here. Hebrew is, is, when we write, we write left to right. When the Hebrews write, they write right to left. The Hebrews, or the Jewish people, they understand that the day doesn't begin at sunup, it begins at sundown. Very interesting because you'll notice that Sabbath starts at sundown. You know, we're always talking about giving Yahweh the first part of our day. To us, that means when you get up in the morning, you pray right away in the morning. Honestly, the first part of your day, according to Scripture, is when the sun goes down. Before you go to bed, you give him the day. You sleep to do the day. You don't sleep as a, uh, you sleep in preparation for the day. You don't sleep as a reward from a day or because you're exhausted. I don't go to bed, ah. No, no, you're sleeping to prepare for the day. Rest is a preparation. Rest is not a reward. Rest is not some kind of reparation. No, I sleep to prepare. I begin my day at night. Does that make sense now? Out of the darkness comes the light. Out of death comes life. Not the other way around. Life, death. No. death. You want real life? You've got to die to some stuff. I don't have time to, that's a whole nother lesson. A whole nother lesson. All right, you ready? Have some fun? What you look at is what you'll think about. What you think about is what you'll speak about. What you speak about will be created in your surround, in your environ. And that will determine who you are. So I want, in my church, these are all on the wall. I put them up, I put them up in a way that looks like the breastplate of righteousness. So I, I got them all. I don't have them like linear like this. I have them like I could look at it 
I don't have to go like this to look at them. I can just see them all. Because I want it in my mind. Because I want to be striped and spotted. I want to be God's sheep. I want to be looking at what he wants me to look at. I want, you know, too many places in Scripture for us to go. Joshua, David, he says, meditate in the Word of God day and night. But I'm showing you how to meditate in it at the very DNA level. Every one of these letters has a personality, an aspect, an attribute of God. The Aleph has a numerical value. They call it the gematria. Number one, hero Yisrael, the Lord thy God is one. And it's not one God. That's added. You'll see that's in Icon. He is one. The Aleph is one. Okay, you see this, and then you see these two little things. The way this is written, this is actually the number six laid on its kind of a diagonal. And these are actually two yuds, the number ten, one under and one over. And we know the yud is the number of the point of creation. We've already taught on that, but it's the first letter of his sacred name. And the number six is man. So the, in the very number one, the very first letter, the A of the alphabet, it's man is surrounded by the creator on both sides, under and over. And the numeric value of it, this number is the number six. We'll get to it. And this is the yud. And this is the U, and their, their numerical value is 10. And this is where it gets into the, the math and the genius of the language is the math lines up created. In this is hidden the sacred name yud heh vav because the numerical value of the yud heh vav is 26. And so Yud, which is 10, plus Yud is 10, plus 6 is 26. So it's very, very, I always like to say it, my old teacher used to say, he does things with scrupulous exactitude. There's nothing left. And so this is how you study. Because when you study the word, you don't want to be left to your experience or your education or your broken heart to interpret it. You want to get what he says. You don't want to get what you think he says. Does that make sense? So this Aleph, in it is hidden the sacred name. Right there. The way you think of the Aleph this has no sound. It's the sound before the sound. It's the breath before the sound. Anybody who's ever sung understands this. The breath before the sound. It's like, you, you, don't, you almost don't even hear it. Right? My hallelujah. But there's a sound before the M. My hallelujah. And that sound is on the thought. Think of it as the intention. Sometimes you can almost think of it as the inhale before you exhale on the sound. My, there's a sound of that inhale, right? That's the Aleph. The Lord thy God. See, there's a lot in there, right? The sacred name is in there. The intention is in there. You decide what you're going to say in there. There's a lot of that, all right? Aleph. Bet. The Aleph, the words that are in the Aleph are Ahava, which is love. Haba, Ahava. It's a very, I give it a little uh, sound. 
to give you know that the left is there. Emunah, faithfulness. Adam, God's man. We know that as his man, but it's also his blood. Dam is the word for blood. Adam. So you see, emunah, that word amen is in that word emunah. Faithfulness is emunah. To us, amen is so be it. No, but amen is so much more than that. Aleph is the letter of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the sacred name, Yahweh himself. But the mem is the, is the sound of the letter for the Messiah, Mashiach. So the second letter is Mashiach. Third letter, the N sound is the N sound is the sound of, of Jubilee. Amen. Father, Messiah, blessing, Jubilee. Amen. It's like believe. It's like be. It's not so be it. Understand? I mean, it gets more exciting when you see how creative and active it is. Now, the letter B, this is the letter for Bayit, which is the letter of the house. The house. And you see this wall here? God is the other. He wants you to know your house, your house doesn't protect you. I'm this fourth wall. I am the protector here. But that word also means my house. It's his house. It's not just a house. It's from the left comes the bet. And you'll notice it goes, see, Yahweh is here, and then it goes this way out. The word for create starts with, the first word in your Bible starts with it. It's the number two, bereshit. In that word bereshit, that first part, bera, bera, that is the word for create. So he, Yahweh says, I don't create alone. I create with my family, out of my house. The word for son, ben, ben. The word for son, Hebrew, comes out of that letter B. Bereshit, second part of rosh, head, first, beginning, boom. Then in that, that E sound is the yud, the point of creation. And then the T means the, t, the last letter, the tov. It means to, it's settled, it's sealed, it's done. So when he says bereshit, it's all done. It's all created. Now, you just got to write it down because I, I did it all in that instant. And it just takes you forever to write it down. And we're still writing it down. That's how big that moment was. And it's also an understanding that he is not bound by time like you and me. The English language is all bound by time. And out of the house comes the gimel. This this is when you see this, and you'll see this on the dreidel, 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 you'll see it. It's the righteous man. It's the righteous man. You notice this, it's got a little foot on it. And the righteous man speaks of, of strength. And, and out of, so out of the house come the sons of God as righteous men. But they're on the move. They're moving to, to this, which is the dalet, which is the servant. Or Jesus will say, I am the doorway. But again, there's no, you know, there's, God holds this door up. He wants to see that in the whole language. When the Ten Commandments came down and Moses had them, they were written on stone. But God had written them on stone in letters like the Samek down there that's like a circle, right? The middle of that circle, that white part in the middle of the circle. You see the circle over there? It's like the fourth one in. God wrote it, but it was all the way through the stones, both sides. So that middle part of the stone was suspended. It, did, it just stayed there. It was a miracle. 
It wasn't attached to any of the sides. It was like this. You could pull it out, put it back in, and it would stay. Because those stones were written by God. He's the, he is the God who intervenes. He's the God of miracles. There's nothing too hard for him. And in the Ten Commandments, he was just like, you can't do this any more than you could do an ocean or you could put a baby in a barren womb. You can't do it. I, you need me. And I'm way cooler than your favorite musician. And I'm way cooler than Tom Brady. So the Dalet means the servant. Out of Yahweh comes the house of God. From the house come the sons of God as righteous men. But they are running to serve, to, to serve, to be transformed into service. From that, we come to what we call the breath of God, the hay, the definite article, the intentional, right? And this is the stuff, this is the number five. One, two, three, four, five. That number five, we get the five stones. This is where, yeah, this is where David is depicted. Why did he pick five stones? He knew he only needed one. Because he's invoking the name. He's invoking the name. He said the same letter that they put in Abram's name to give him the power was what David called on because he was calling on his covenant. When God cuts covenant, when God created Adam, he pulled up and he breathed into him. Gave him his breath. Gave him his nature. Gave him his power. The word is nigh you. It's even where? In your foot? No, it's in your mouth. It's where your breath is. Right? So that's where you get that. So the hay comes in there, and that's the number five. Right? The number six is the number of man. The letter means and. It's the hook, they call it. Man is the hook. See, all of creation was made for man. It's the hook, right? So you're getting an understanding of this. yud hey, vav hey. it's in the name. The Zayin is the number of seven, the number of rest. It's also the number of, the, of, they call it the crowned man. Woman is in this. That it's actually the crowned man, or the woman is the crown of the man. So man and woman were never meant to really be separated. They were always meant to, to be a team, back to back, work together. You can't have a baby without a man and a woman. We need each other. And not only do we need each other uh, to create children, we need each other because of the very nature. And don't forget, there was a time when man and woman were not separated at all, that Adam was... ...feminine as well. Out of him came everything. And don't get distracted by the gender stuff. Let the Bible teach you everything there is to know because all that stuff is just a distraction. The number, that's the number seven. Number eight is the chet. The chet, when you think of the chet, you should think of chesed, which is the mercy of God, but also you should think of chupa. Chupa means the uh, wedding canopy of God. And in this is the covenant of God, chesed, 
where we come in and we understand what Jesus is praying in John 17 when he's praying, you and I are one, but they are, you know, all that is mine is thine, all that is thine is mine, and they are mine, and they are thine, and we are thine, theirs. You know, it's like he's praying and letting you know there's no separation, and that's this, the number eight. We call it the number of new beginnings. When you get the revelation that you're his and he's yours, and you're not just his, but he's yours, you know what I mean? I have a couple of friends that own houses, uh, one in Steamboat, Colorado, another one in Stratton Mountain, Vermont. They have beautiful houses. I don't have to own a house if they own a house. They're my friends. Right? My daughter's a doctor. I don't have to be a doctor. I know a doctor. I don't have to be a plumber. I, know a I don't have to be a creator. I don't have to be a savior. I know one. And I'm in covenant with one, and I have access to them. So you have access if you have, if you, if you have points of contact. If you, see, to have access to him at all times means you've got to touch base. You know, I can't call on my friend to go to his house if I only call him the day before I want to come. He's like, you only call me when you want to go skiing? It's not right. And after a while, you just don't do it because it's awkward. And it's wrong. He's not really your friend if all he is is a house. Right? So, chet. The next number is the number nine. Nine, what does nine mean to us? Nine months of pregnancy. Tet. That's what that is. This, this letter, tet, should, get, should make you think of, and you see it, it's kinda, it kind of looks like, you know, flying fallopian tubes, trying to catch that, you know, all that stuff, the miracle of all that stuff. And what this is, is this letter, teshuva, has rep- repentance in it, and it also talks about the concepts around the, 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 the formulation and development of things in that imperfect part of the language. It means it takes time. It's like the concept of seed, time, and harvest. The Hebrew word for, for time is the same word for day, yam, but it's not just day, it's about the heat of the day. You know how we hate time? You, don't really, you, you really don't want immediate results on everything because things, some things have to develop. A baby has to develop. You don't want a baby the day of conception. You want that baby at nine months. You know, some of us want that baby fully developed. God, you take care of it until it's 18. Maybe it'll, you'll do a better job. But the idea is you don't, a woman don't want to be carrying nobody around until they're 18. I can guarantee you that. But the idea, time, time, yam. When you think of time right now, I don't want you to think of, oh, it's so annoying. Why do I have to wait? I want you to think of God's developing something. He's developing something. Right? We already talked about this. The Yud is the first letter of his name. Point of creation. Point of Yam. Day is in that. Yud means hand. Hand. So when you see uh, in Philippians 4, he says, the Lord is at hand. He's not saying the Lord is nearby. He's saying the Lord is at the point of creation. That's what Paul, because Paul needs deliverance out of that prison. And that's the number 10. The number 20, now it starts to double. It doesn't start to double, but it goes to 20. From 10 to 20, this is the cough. This is the letter of promotion. It's 2022. There's two 20s in that. We should be being promoted right now. 2022, if I was doing Hebrew on it and I was just going to riff on it, 
I'd go 2020, right? Promotion, promotion, and then two, the house of God. I got to make sure that I'm in the house of God. Right? All these prophecies, you know. Oh, this is the year of this and that. This is the year of this, this and that. Even myself. Creative courage, all that. You want to get to where, what is God saying? You can still say what you think he's saying to you personally. Speak it out, because he could say more than one thing at once. Because he's saying things, he's assigning all of us different things all the time. So that's the number of promotion. Think of it as the crown. So it goes from 10 to 20. Now we go over here to 30, the Lamed. The Lamed, this is the tallest and biggest letter, whereas the Yud is the smallest letter. This is the biggest letter. It goes way above, like the lines that if you were writing it. It's the idea of being connected to heaven. It's the whole teaching around, and this is the first letter of learning. Learning is Lamed. But it's also heart, Leb. The word for heart is Leb. All right, so what that is, is when you think of the heart, you shouldn't think of the heart like a, like a blood pump. You think of it as a learning house. A learning house. Your spirit is a learning house. Right, so this is the biggest letter, connects heaven to earth, and what it means is what you learn in the spirit, you should apply on earth. Right, everything should have a practical application. You know, if you learn something in your heart, you've got to teach it to other people. You've got you to walk it out. That's why the church is so important, because it gives you a place to apply what you learn. Right, the learning house. The mem, the m sound, is the number... 40. Anybody know what? The number 30 is the Lamed. So when you see the number 30 in your Bible, you think, hmm, okay. And then you think, see the number 40, 40 days in the wilderness. Right? Things like that. The Mem. But this is first letter of water, Mayim. But most important, Mishpoka, family. But then it's also the first letter of Messiah, Moshiach, which is Christ, which is the anointing on us, and you'll notice it's got a little opening here, means that he, the Messiah will provide. He's going to pour you out what you need when you need it. That's what the, But the concept of Messiah, the more you meditate it, family, water, all that stuff, you need that stuff. You need family, you need water. It's like a necessity. Right? And so the concept that when you're meditating it, now you're not meditating... You know, Christ, Christ doesn't even take you to these thoughts. What is Christ? Christ is, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're, you're at the post office and you see all the mailboxes, you know, Barney, Rubble, Fred, Fred Flintstone, Jesus Christ, like it's his last name, right? It's not, it's not his last name, you know, Rubble, Flintstone, Christ. You know what I mean? It's not. It's his anointing. And they, when I say emunah, or faithfulness, I start with the aleph, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the sacred name, the unspoken intention, putting love on stuff, Ahava, right? God's blood, Adam, right? But the second letter is Mem. The, he wants to anoint people. He wants to put the, his reflection on us. So now we've got the Mem of the reflection. So it's M. You know, he's like, his whole thing is to work with us, you know? It's like when I, when I work as a consultant with companies and I have to, like, help somebody and challenge them, I've got to put them into a little bit of a training program because they're not doing the work very well, 
And I have to say this, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. This isn't a punishment. This is a development stage. God is not going to put his anointing on you, to you, to make you something. No, he's, he's doing this as a blessing for you. All right? Now, you can see where this is a lot, right? But I want you to, I want to, before I continue, and I'm going to work through the rest of the letters, I just want to say, you are receiving this. It's going in you. And when you read your Bible, you're going to understand that words like righteousness and peace, words like joy, love, they're no longer going to be like these abstract concepts that are out there somewhere. These are words that you're going to have creative access to so that you can release joy. So that you can release peace. See, I'm seeing all the Hebrew in my head right now. I'm seeing the creative power of the universe. You know, you, see, you hear a little teaching on shalom, peace, right? You hear that teaching, you know, nothing missing, nothing broken. You've heard that teaching. But you don't understand and I'm going to teach it to you because those letters, the Sha, that I've already teaches, teach you, taught you the connection to heaven, the Lamed, and then the last letter, the Mem, which is the Messiah. You're not getting to peace without connecting to heaven, and you're not getting to peace without the Messiah. And Shin, that letter Shin, when I teach it to you, that's the letter of fire. Peace doesn't come just like, oh, peace. It's coming through fire. And you don't really have peace as... Peace until you can have peace in the midst of fire. You know, you can have peace on a, on a calm day when your relatives aren't around, but when they show up, you know, you better understand how can you have peace in the midst of fire. Right? I've got all the clergy in New York right now, not all, but the ones that are calling me. They're calling me over and over. I'm in the midst of a fire. My, my deacons are quitting. My staff is dying. I don't know what's going on. I've got, I had a deacon come in the other night and said he, he just left his wife. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, and I'm like, they're like, last year and the year before, like, Dan, would you head up this whole group on racial reconciliation? Right now I've got to head up a group on pastor reconciliation. They're not ready for racial reconciliation. They, you can't give away what you don't have. You've got to be ministered to before you can be ministering. So you, you, let me understand. Let me, have, let me give you a one-liner, okay? You can't give away what you don't have. But you don't have it unless you're giving it away. Those are the same. The, that's, like a, that's like an algebra corollary, you know? You can't give away what you don't have, but how do you know you have it? You give it away. So you, you have to be always giving away what you're thinking you have. Because if you don't have it, then you can't give it away. So you, gotta, you don't want to think you have salvation. You don't have it if you're not giving it away. You want to go to heaven? Give it away. You want love? Give it away. You want peace? You better be giving it away. Because you don't have it unless you can give it. And if you ain't given it, you ain't got it. That may seem as simple as possible, but a lot of us are like, well, I got money, I ain't getting No, you ain't really got it unless you're giving it. I could only give you what I got, but what I got, I'm going to give. 
So you're not learning this stuff. I'm not giving you this revelation. I'm not giving you this, this deep revelation, the deeper life, thinking I'm just coming down here to, you know, because I like to talk in front of people. I don't mind talking in front of people. God has gifted me. I can tell jokes. I can be funny. We can have a good time. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here because God has selected you to be Elijah's to this generation to prepare the way of the Lord because Jesus is coming. But you don't want to get, you know, you want to get with Jesus. You want to have a conversation with him about what he likes to talk about. Now, he's going to want to talk about you because he loves you and he likes to talk about that. But I know you all have friends that come over for coffee in the morning. They come over and come over, knock on your back door, come into the house. And in 45 minutes, they talk. And then when it's your turn, they just go, ah, nice to see you. See you. I'm out. See you next week. Yeah, like you just listen to them vent and puke and all the things that they do. My husband this, my child this, my grandma that, my this. You know, these days it's Biden this and Trump that. And then they walk out the back door. No exchange. They just dump. Well, we treat God that way a lot. No exchange, just dump. You know? When the student's ready, the master appears. What does that mean? That means you've got to be ready to hear. See, this student's ready. I can learn from Mayana. I can learn from you. I can learn from a homeless man. I can learn from a Jew. I can learn from a Muslim. I can learn. Why? Because I'm not afraid. You're not going to knock me off my core. I'm connected to the DNA of the universe. And what upsets me when I'm with people for a while is they want to talk about stuff. I don't want to talk about stuff. I want to create. I want to create a powerful believer. I want to create a creator. I want you to understand, you are becoming not a new creation, like, boom, you're done. No, a new creator. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Kabad. You're in covenant, coming out of the house to serve. That's the word for new. What do you mean serve? Serve is is something where you can come in and change everything by just becoming a servant. Somebody comes in there and doesn't care who gets the credit. You're the one who can get stuff done. Everybody's sitting around arguing all the time. They can't get anything done. That's what's happening in our government right now. Who gets the credit? Who gets the blame? I mean, there's whole groups of people, all they do, and they spend all day long on the message. They don't spend any days on the solutions. They don't care if you're starving. They don't care if you're in danger. They don't care if you're getting carjacked. They just want credit, and then they want the power. It's not who you are anymore. All that stuff about wanting credit, all that stuff about wanting recognition, you don't care because it doesn't satisfy like being with him. You know? I have a very beautiful wife. You'll see her tonight. Prettiest girl to dance. I don't care if the other girls don't like me or think I'm arrogant or think I don't dress nice. And when I was in high school, you know, when I was a young kid, broken teeth, whatever I had, broken nose, all the things I had going on, 
Didn't bother me. She likes me. God loves you. You care less about anybody else. But once you understand he loves you, you're going to understand he loves everybody else. So you're going to love everybody else because he loves everybody else. So you're going to love them, but you're not going to love them because they love you. You're going to love them because he loves them. That's going to free you up. Okay? The noon is the number 50. What's the number 50? It's the number of Jubilee. This is debt cancellation. Amen. I left them noon. Starting with that intention, the three in one, the sacred name, the Messiah takes you right here. Amen. And we're not talking just debt cancellation. We're talking about supernatural increase. Out of that comes the Samek. The Samek. This is a circle. It's, it's the protection of God. There's inside and outside. He's, he's inside of you protecting you. He's outside of you protecting you. Cool, cool word that uses the Samek is the word Yasod. It means foundation. It starts with the Yud, the point of creation, the Samek, the protection, and then the D sound, which is the it's just the servant, but that's the foundation. He says, my foundation. I want you to understand. When, when in the book of Psalms it says, the foundation of my kingdoms is like putting a building on the ocean. And when you think about that, he says, look, you don't understand my foundation. I'm around you and I'm on the inside of you. So since you can't build the foundations of the kingdom, you've got to just let me be king. Just trust me. Because the way this thing works is not the way, you know, steel girders and gravity works. It's bigger than that. Your spiritual, your spiritual power is not limited by, you know, physics. I'll leave it at that. Protection right there. Now it gets pretty cool. The ayin is the eyes. The eyes. This next letter is the mouth. It's got the p and the f sound. It's got two different sounds to it. The p sound and the f sound. This is called the fe. This letter looks almost like the ayin, but this letter is the letter of righteousness. It's the zadeh. Melchizedek. King of righteousness, right? That's how it's translated. Zadeh. To be righteous is to have, to be righteous is to be a master. To be a master is to be a master of words. Master of your tongue. A man who can rule his tongue can rule a city. Zadeh. Melchizedek. So when, you, when you're going through your Bible, and if you're doing a study and you really want to understand something, use Google and just go, what's the Hebrew word for? What's the Hebrew word for joy? What's the Hebrew word for faith? What's the Hebrew word for love, right? And you study that out, and then you take it apart by these letters, by the way that I taught you, okay? So this goes, this is, the number 20 was the promotion, 30 was the Lamed, connecting heaven, Messiah was 40, Noon was the Jubilee, 60 was the Samek, or the protection, the, eye, the eyes are 70, the mouth is 80, and Zadeh is 90. From 90, we go to the letter which is, sounds a lot like the cough, but this is kof, 
This is the letter of holiness. This is the letter they use for sacrifice, korban. And this is the letter they use for the holiness, newness. Sounds like that. You'll get, sometimes you'll say to yourself, because there's two letters that have an S sound, two letters that have a T sound, and two letters that have kind of a sound. But they're different because they have different aspects. So you got to, in your mind, you got to be knowing whether you're saying kaf or kof, whether you're saying shin or samek, or whether you're saying tet or tov. And it's interesting because it's all about your intention, and they do it on purpose like this, because even though it sounds the same, you set the meaning by the way that you're thinking. So that's holiness. That's the number 100. Again, it doubles. It goes to 200. The resh. Resh is the first letter of the ruach, the spirit. It's also the second letter in the word for bera, the sun. Beraka is blessing. Ber, right? So this, but really what it is, see how it turns like this? This is, when you see the letter R, think the word decision. I get to make decisions. See, God gave you a free will. There's no love without free will. So your decisions matter. Your intentions matter. That's in this letter. So when you, when, you, when you do what I told you to do, and you Google that Hebrew word, you'll do this. Now, this is really, the more you study this the way that I'm teaching it to you, you're going you're gonna to want to go and you're going to want to learn about all things Jewish and all that stuff. I'm telling you, don't do it. You want to know about the living language. You don't want to know about Jewish tradition because you're going to arrive at powerless Hashem. You don't want to go back to powerless Hashem. You want to stay in the yud heh vav You want to stay in the point of creation. You want to stay in the miraculous language. You want to must, you Because that's who you are. You're not new creations. Boom, done. No, you're, you're new creators. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. What do you mean old things have passed away? Every, you've got the revelation of the fact that everything is new. Everything is... You are now graduated to the place of creation. The word perfect, the word perfect doesn't mean, I want you to get this, doesn't mean mature. It means the fact that you understand the language. It means that you go from, you know, you don't just, you're not just in a process. You go from being a person who describes things to a person who creates with his words. You're not just an information giver. You are a creator. Be slow to speak. But when you speak, speak intentionally. You're never going to be the same. I created in you a new life. I came to give you life and that more abundantly. See, I say the scriptures and what happens, you know, we get a little too familiar and then it just becomes whatever we, they were before. I don't want it to be like, it has to be new every day. And I, and I say, would it be all right with you if you were healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Would it be all right with you if all of a sudden your IQ jumped 30 points and you could solve problems that you never even looked at before? Would it be all right with you if, if your emotions were you, you just things that used to stress you don't stress you at all? 
and that you had compassion for people like you've never had before. But not just compassion, which means sympathy, some kind of empathy, but true compassion when you look at somebody and somebody's hurt and you've got the solution. It would be all right with you if your relationships were healed, that your mother and you were talking again, that your brothers and sisters were friends again, that you had the ability to make new friends and begin to influence people, that you begin to to really move in circles where decisions are made. Would it be all right with you? Would it be all right with you if God began to move into you so that you would have all the money you need? But I put that last, did you notice? Because it's not good if you're, if you're sick. It's not good if you can't solve problems. It's not good if you're an emotional basket case. It's not good if you destroy relationships that you have the money that magnifies that. A lot of people have money and they're just destroying stuff. That's not going to be you. Because you're in the creator class now. And you're making the decision to do it. Now, the, this letter is the shin. The next letter. This is that, that fire. This is actually what they saw in the book of Acts. They saw the shin come in because the word esh is the word for fire. The word ish is the word for man. And the fire puts that yud sound in there, but that's the spark of life. Man is fire. We're all like, oh, we're made up of 75% water. You know what else you're made up of? You're made up of a spark, electricity. that goes through your body. There is nothing. If you were just water, you'd be like, but you're not. What, what keeps your heart pumping? What keeps your brain working? What connects your eyes to your hands, to your feet? It's, there's a spark in there. There's an electrical system. There's fire. But when this fire, when this fire came in, and they were like, oh, if I have flames of fire, and it sat down on every single person. We got all this concept of a big kind of a thing going on, maybe a little candle thing going on. It's not what it was. It was the fire of God. It was He was burning off all of their stuff. Stupid perceptions and conceptions, preconceptions. And it says it sat down on each and every one of them. And the concept that they got, they saw. They saw. You know what they saw? They saw the Lord. They saw the Holy Spirit. But as they sat and they looked, they had this conf- they had this transformation take place. Because as the Holy Ghost came in, and they're like, oh, like a mighty rushing sh- wind sound. He, he, all of a sudden, this Holy Ghost sits down on and you're looking and you don't know what you're looking at. Well, is that God? Is that God? And then all of a sudden you see yourself in that. And you got the revelation that there's no separation. And you got the revelation that God is in me. And you got the revelation that I can now go down to the streets and I don't have to fear the Pharisees and I don't have to fear the Romans and I don't have to fear the soldiers because I, I've seen God. And I, and I saw me in God, and God in me. I've seen life. I've seen what life really is, and that life is in me. And they changed the world. This is That's the book of Acts in that letter, and it's all the way at the end. Because he wants you to know him, and he doesn't want to just, without any wisdom. And the last letter is the Tov. And in ancient, ancient Hebrew, this letter was an X, which symbolizes the cross. But it's the seal. It's the seal. When Yahweh speaks it, he seals it. You can't change it. And don't try. Thomas Jefferson 
rewrote the Bible, rewrote the New Testament, took all the miracles out because he didn't believe them. Here's what the New Testament should really look like. And he walked from Caesarea to Galilee. I mean, no miracles. And then people say, well, he didn't really believe in God. Well, he believed in God, he just didn't believe in a miraculous God. What you, what you got to understand, in some ways, that was a blessing to the people of that time because he didn't say, hey, look, God's good. God is not going to deliver you. You're going to have to pick up a gun and do something about this. But I'm going to tell you, we have to hear him and we have to be practical. But we have to know ourselves as creators. He, what did he do? He took his pen to the paper and he created a whole new nation. He created with words. You're going to begin to be able to do this. So I'll close in John 17. Bet you my coffee's cold. Hallelujah. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. Verse 11. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one. He's just referring you back to the elect, as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. You breathe, I breathe. Those that you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. You're no longer of the world. You never were since the day you accepted Jesus. But now you're getting equipped with the creative power, this creative DNA. Pastor Kelvin and I were in Cuba, and they were sharing their vision with us. The first time I went, I didn't speak Spanish. I was in the dark, most of it, sitting in the car listening to Pastor Yoel and Kelvin make fun of me. Didn't know they were even doing it. We sat down at a table with them. It's getting a little scared. i got to learn a little Spanish. I know a little bit more now. They were starting to call me Pastor Banos. You know, it's like he has to go to the bathroom, you know. You know it's the only word he knows. Banos? Where's the Banos? You know. It's kind of sad. It's my fault, though. i got to learn some Spanish, you know, when I go there. At least I can give it back to them a little bit. Well, that's some fun. But we were sitting with, with Pastor Yoel, and Pastor Yoel started sharing his vision. See, I know this stuff. I know it's true. And he said we need, at the time he said he thought he needed thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars $35,000 to buy this piece of property to, to take their, their vision to the next level. And I was listening. And you never want to go to anywhere and, and just, you don't want to be the people's source, right? So you have to pray and you have to ask. But what the Lord dropped in my spirit was, you can do this. So I said to Pastor Kelvin, I said, well, we're the ones sitting here. We're the ones hearing his vision. If we can't believe for $35,000, then we are frauds. If we can't create $35,000 with a, you know, 
by, by sharing the video. If we can't believe for it, which how do you believe? You speak it out, right? You, 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 you know, you confess it. Yahweh, bring me. I didn't have the money. But you gotta understand, you gotta put this to the test. You gotta pray and you gotta believe. And if it doesn't manifest, then you're doing something wrong. God's not the problem. So I'm trying to give you a little bit of, I'm trying to make you closer to the word. Because his word is true. But his word is his word. His word isn't what you think his word is. You've got to study it until you know what it is. And if it's not exactly manifesting the way you want it to do, don't get mad at God. Keep studying. And find somebody. You know, you got a really great pastor. Right? Refer back to this stuff. Don't get yourself caught out there on pastors who are preaching politics. Don't get yourself out there, you know, studying stuff that you don't apply right away and it works. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to just be a Christian in name only. You want to be a believer. You want to be a creator. You want to be walking with Jesus. Jesus is a problem solver. He's a savior. He, he is way above government. He's way above programs. He's, you as an individual can be a one-man healing revival. Some of the people were asking me, well, where's your wife? Where's mom? I said, well, she's, she doesn't, when she, she's going to deliver a healing anointing. She doesn't want to be hanging out with people. She wants to be hanging out with Jesus. She wants to be hanging out with creativity. She'll come hang out tomorrow. She loves you. It's not that she doesn't love you. But she wants to be pure and clean and right to it. I, I left here last night, honestly, I was tired because I'd been in meetings all week long. And I, and I couldn't, because I'd been, I heard, I don't know, 15 preachers in three days. So remember at the beginning last night, I said, I got to get this out before I preach because I was just hearing so many things in my head. I was trying to be clear. I was trying to remember my message in the hour I was driving back to Laredo where I'm staying. And I'm thinking to myself, what the heck did I say? Did I finish a single thought? I know I did today. Father, I pray over these people right now. I release the anointing right now. These people are being promoted to creative courage. To build bigger, better, and brighter. And I release the anointing that this is a year that they, may, that they truly, truly begin to give away what they have and that this church begins to grow. But not just in people, but in power. In miraculous power, in eternal life power. In influence all over the world. I thank you, Yahweh, that everyone in here will be healed and is healed. Everyone in here has a sound mind. Everyone in here is emotionally balanced. Everyone in here is relationship whole healing, blessed, and I release the anointing for finances as well. As they give and as they sow, as they understand, the more, that, the more generous they are, the more that they will receive. And I thank you for that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I didn't mean to go two hours, but
That's how long it took. Thank you. Let's give the Lord a big God bless you for Pastor Dan. Why don't you all stand up real quick, stretch up, and then you can sit down again. <laughs> We're almost done, but it's like, reach for the sky. Right, come on, stretch out. Well, don't you get something out of all that? Well, I got a brand new teaching because even what he talked about in New York, I mean, the foundation was the same. If he went into some other, you know, as the Holy Spirit leads. So thanks, Dan, for bringing it. Amen. Amen. What I want to do this morning, and, and I want to talk to our online audience also, you know, this, he said something, I just, and that's how the Lord talks to me. You know, he'll get one word, and he'll just chew on me, and I chew on it, and pretty soon this sermon or something will come out. But this idea of capacity, you know, I said a few things last night, and then I just kept chewing on chewing on chewing. And really, you know, I look back, and you may be seated for a moment. I don't want to, you know. It won't take a long time. We're just going to pick up an offering and we'll go home and get some rest, come back for tonight. But, you know, the idea of capacity is amazing. You know, I'm just going to track a little bit of my life from understandings. And this is something hard, I think, that all of us as believers, especially if you're in leadership, especially if you're a minister, I think it's even harder. Because there's, there's expectations, you know, from other people and there's expectations from you. Right? And I want to, I'm, really want to say two things. But the first one is, to understand your ability to receive anything, and you have to understand growth and capacity, you have to understand that you have to be willing or you have to remain teachable. And everybody will say, yeah, I'm teachable, but the truth is um, sometimes you're not. All right? Um, I was about to apologize for that, but I said, no, I'm not going to apologize. But I'll clear it up. For example, like this morning, you know, no big deal, just... There's a set time. And, you know, Pastor, pray for me. I love you, Pastor. That's all good. But when Pastor gets on your, you know, has an attitude because there's no excellence. Yeah. You see, that moment, you're not teachable. I'm just using it as an example. You know, are, because, te- te- you know, or if I can use this word, teachability. <laughs> I just made it up, right? Um, is, is the idea to remain open not just to whatever idea, but to remain open to question whatever ideas you're already dealing with. And I'm going somewhere with this, and track. I mean, this is the group that could track. So I hear something, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking things, but so on the back end of it, I have a preconceived idea of whatever that is. Right? So you come to services, and I, and I can show you with the word. I'm not going to do it. Most of you get it. But there's so many instances in this word where the principle or the idea, and I'm not going to say command, was if you give, you shall receive. That's everywhere. That's not, not, that's not new. I mean, you, you track this all the way to the Genesis account. Seed time. What's the last one? Harvest time. But there's no harvest time unless there's a seed time. That's very simple truth. That, I mean, that is so simple that all of us should be able to grab onto it because you are here because of that principle. Right? We're all here because of that principle. The furniture you're setting on is because of that principle. You know, something was, you know, any, any wood in your, you know, fam, you know, furniture, somebody, you know, they came from somewhere. So when you understand the capacity to receive, one of the things that I've been, you know, thinking about last night, I was late night and early morning. I was, actually, I had to go pick up my dog like at 8, 7.30 this morning, so I already went to Laredo came back while you guys were resting. 
and still showed up and turned on the lights and the sound system and hooked up the cameras. And, but anyway, that's, that, that'd be another, for another time. But here's my point. So my capacity to receive, you know, I had a capacity to receive back in 1992 from a very shallow, shallow understanding. And the shallow understanding of, of receiving, and this is the most shallow understanding, and I'll preach, I'll preach if you want to say against this, I don't, I don't like the word against nothing, but, you know, if you want to, it's, it's the idea that give me $100 and God will. That, that rubs me, like, so bad on so many ways. You know, and I don't even want to get, don't get me started, right? But my point of it is that is a very shallow, 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 shallow understanding of what I'm talking to you about. Because the depth of the understanding is to say, I understand a very simple principle. I mean, this is my natural principle. I'm going to give you guys a revelation. If you guys want a small family, don't sow a lot. Right? I mean, that's a simple principle. You know, if you don't want a lot of negativity in your life, maybe you should stop sowing so much negativity. So, I mean, this just goes on. If you don't want a lot of money in your life, don't sow a lot of money. I mean, I'm not trying, you know, guys, both this, if somebody in this church should know who I am, it's this bunch. And I got, you know, I don't, money, I know where money is. And I figured out a long time ago, if God can't pay for this show, I'm not paying for it. I mean, he can use me to pay for it, and he has. But the principle's still the same. Even if God wants to use you at a greater capacity, he's got to go to something. And if the capacity is limited there, God will, you know, he'll, he'll meet you there, but you'll never go beyond that. Because you're married to a method, or you're married to some wrong teaching, or you're married to some, you know, you know, high expectation based on completely wrong information. I'm talking about my own ex- life experience, you know. You come sometimes very naive into things like, oh, hey, there's a... And then you start to find out and say, no, th- th- that's really, there's no depth in that. You know, money is one of the most mundane things, but that doesn't mean you don't want it. You just got to keep it in its place, under your feet, and not anywhere else. But when it goes anywhere else, then it becomes mammon. And I know a lot of preachers that worship mammon. You know, because their whole ministry revolves around that one principle. It's all about the money. Right, Dan? I mean, you know, we could talk about this all day. So here's what I'm leaving you with this morning. When you think about capacity to receive in any area, even the revelation, even the word, God can only give you, and Dan said it, or let me put it this way. God said, God said, I mean, Dan said, you can't give what you don't have. Well, the other way is God can't give you what you can't receive. Right? And he'll give you this level of revelation on tithing, on sowing, and that's fine. But if you really begin to track, at the end of the day, it all is about trust and nothing else. That's it. And that capacity to receive, because like I'm telling you, if God would have told me, Dan, in 1992, when I, when I got born again, I wasn't in the ministry, but by 1994, I was in the ministry. In 1993, I was already doing missions and prison ministry and all kinds. I mean, with other teams, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready for this. But I grew up in this. You know, I had my Christian school education. I had a basis for all this. But anyway, my point is, if God would have said, look, you're going to be doing some stuff in Ukraine and Cuba, Navajo Nation, and, and you'll probably be preaching in New York, I would have destroyed that whole project of my life plan because I would have destroyed it with unbelief. Because <coughs> I did not have the capacity to receive that. 
fast forward to Cuba 2016, sitting here with this. And this is one of the things that, that, that said, you know what, I want Dan Stratton in my life. Because I, I know there's a lot of people that can come in, into your life, but, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose who you let into your life. But there were two things that Dan said throughout our, our relationship. One of them was in 2012 when I first met him. It might even have been 2011. I get those years mixed up. But the point of it was, says, let's get to know each other. So that was like, I like this guy. Because in ministry, it's like, here's my card. Call me. Right? But with him, it wasn't like that. Because I said, hey, Dan, you want to go to Cuba? Because the Lord was prompting me. Well, what really talked to me about his character, and I'm, going, I'm not lost, you know, with the capacity to receive, almost done, was this fact that he said, well, you know, that's all good, but let's get to know each other first. He didn't know who I was. I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was. Well, he comes to our church. I go to his church. Okay, relationships are being built. But then we fast forward into what he already said. I'm not going to repeat the story, but that is what I'm talking about, the capacity to receive. When he sat there, you know, building our relationships, kind of a side note, but I'm going back to 1993, 94, what I was able to track, where my faith was. Fast forward to 2016, when this man sits in front of a, you know, that little hotel in Cuba, and in English, he turns around and tells him, he says, you know, if we can't believe God for $35,000, we're phonies. You see, if you would have told me that in 1993, I would have run for the hills. I couldn't believe God for $35. No, none of you were there. How, how many remember when $20 was like huge, right? Still is if you don't have any money. But here's my point. My capacity, you know, God's plan, you know, did, did God have to wait till 2016? Not that he had to wait, but my capacity to be able to sit in that moment and not flinch. Because I didn't flinch. I said, yep. I get home, my wife, my wonderful faith woman wife, you know, I'm sitting there. And she said, how did Cuba go? And I said, it was good, you know. Um, and this is where we're at. You know, God just told us to buy a farm for about $35,000. And I thought she was going to like, oh, my God, are you sure God told you? She said, well, if God told you, it's going to happen. And that's the last thing she said. <laughs> See, sometimes you need that, right? My whole point with that story was the capacity to receive grows. But it can be limited by you at any point. Stay teachable and stay open to what the Spirit says. And I'm telling you, I'm not here to convince you about anything. Because most of you finally realize that if you give or don't give, it won't make a bit of difference in my personal life. Now, I wish it would because I could be full-time and I could serve you better. But that's beside the point. But I'll tell you what got me out of poverty. I'll tell you what got me into a debt-free home. I can tell you those things. It's up to you to believe it or not. Because it's just a testimony. I could get Yanis up here. We're talking about it last night. She could share some amazing stories. You know, I've known this family since they... You know, God brought them to here, and God made them my neighbors. Right? And he said, that's a good story. And every time she turned around, every, you know, the, what was it? Ben, the AT&T guy, says, what church you go? Uh, back then it was Faith Life. Faith Life Christian. Everything else. You know, God brings these people. And I watch, you know, the principles applied into their life and seeing how God has tracked it and seeing what God has done. And I could just go down the list. You know, the Garzas and, you know, people that I've known for many, many, many years. And I'm getting to know more of you, and I'm watching, and I'm watching you guys grow you know, and the things, even in the short time we've known, of course, this family and, and everyone, but you watch it, but it all is in parallel with your capacity to receive. And the only way you extend it is by pressing faith. And that is where it says, extend your tent. Actually, I was going to bring that, but then I don't want to take a lot of time. You know, that extension is in your hands. 
in any, in any area, I mean, whatever challenge you're facing, can you believe today? One truth that I've heard through the, since, this, since last night and this morning is God loves you. I mean, can you believe on that love? Okay, you're struggling financially. Can you believe that it is more empowering the word blessed to give? Because when you're struggling, everything in your, in your, in your, fiber, in your mind, in your mindset, in your soul is like, are you out of your mind? You're going to go broke. Right? But, and, and then you have this, con- you know, this conflict between your spirit and, and it, the spirit says, no, soul. Tithe, give. You're like, are you out of your mind? You know the cartoons, the devil and the angel. <laughs> and all they're fighting is one of them's trying to enlarge your tent. And the other one's trying to keep you limited to a superficial understanding of where we're going with this. Because it really is not about money. It's just about trust. So what we're going to do this morning, 100% of this morning's offering, we're not going to pull for tickets or hotels or meals. 100% is, is going to be sowed into Pastor Dan's ministry. So, you know, when we go through the records, Saturday morning's offering. Thank you, Dan. We sow it with a lot of love. So online, join us, please. The information's on there. You know, be part of the service. And that's another thing. You connect. You know, you're sowing a seed into the, into the teaching that you just received. That's why I've always been a believer that you, you should sow, even if it's a penny, you should always connect to the Word. Because that is increasing your capacity even into what he just taught us. Because, you know, you could go with this and say, oh, that's pretty good. But then you can go walk back to the podcast, and it'll be on the podcast in a few days. I recommend going and listen to it while you're driving down the road. And because you are now connected through the seed, guess what? When you hear this thing again, you're going to pull some other things out. I mean, this is all, we're all connected, by the way. But it's connected through that principle. Now I need to shut up. Go ahead and stand. Let's pray for this. Let's get you into lunch. Father, I just thank you for, for this morning. I thank you for where the word has gone. Thank you for Pastor Dan and Pastor Annie's life and ministry, and we're so looking forward to tonight. We, we believe, Father, that this house will be filled with signs, miracles, and wonders. And as we return home, and some of us traveling all the way to Laredo and back tonight, the covenant protection, blessed we were when we came in this morning, and blessed we will go. We sow this seed with love and honor into this man of God, and we know that we will receive. We don't do it because of that. That's just the principle, Lord. The 30, that's one capacity, right? The 60, that's the next capacity, and the hundredfold. We believe we are in that process. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. All right, well, shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, show yourself friendly. Tonight, you know, go to the highways, the byways, find somebody that needs to be in this building and do your part. God bless you guys.